Oh, no, no, no. You'll you'll never get me to admit on air. Hello, welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 86 with me. Oh, I'm CJ Schrader, back from the uh, brink of illness. With me, as always, my two team-building co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, everybody. This is Jess. It'll make sense later. Next up, we have Brian Perlman. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? Perfect. No, you're not even going to. You're not even going to. I said perfect. What do you want? You want me to cheer, too? Because I ain't. All right. Our main topic today is team leading and teams in general. (laughs) Woo! This is one of our more uh, so so the focus here is going to be on on competitive events I'm sure because there aren't many regular REL events that have uh, teams yeah okay. so so this is well I mean the large PTQ uh, the large pre releases uh, probably might have something I haven't we haven't had one of those in yeah. quite a while that's what I'm saying we haven't had a not one that large Jess do you guys what? have uh, uh, do you guys have teams that your mega huge you know thousand person pre releases <laughs> out there in uh, CF land. You know, actually, we don't. And the reason for that is the pre-releases. Mostly what we're trying to do is is get everybody familiar with how judging works, because we get a lot of new judges. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't really do that. All right. So, teams, useless and regular. <laughs> That's our show. Good night, everybody. All right. We're out. Yeah. All right. No. Um, so, so. At competitive events, when when the number of of at or sorry at regular, you know, a small event might have one or two people handling all the tasks. They might be the scorekeeper. They might be handing out slips if you bother with slips. You might just be behind the register calling out, you know, and or yo, tell me what your score is when you're done. Um, uh, you don't have deck checks at regular. Uh, you might have table numbers. At your store, that kind of thing. But at but at competitive events, you know your GPTs. You're normally going to have table numbers. You're normally going to have match slips. And if you're only dealing with you know 15 to 20 people, you're the guy or gal or woman that does all that stuff. Uh, but then as you get larger and larger and larger, uh, there are more of these tasks to do. So we start uh, 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 breaking them off, and this guy now is the paper guy, and this guy is the deck check guy, and this guy is the floor coverage guy, and maybe the table numbers guy. And then as you get larger still, uh, you start breaking those into teams. So you have that could, you know, when you have just, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when you have just like one guy doing each thing, that can switch off. Uh, you could be like, you're doing deck checks this round, and then we're going to rotate everybody into different jobs next round. Uh, so, like, it doesn't have to be a stationary thing. Right. And with, and with like, two or three people, that's real easy to do. But w- right. as soon as you start getting, like, six judges, you know, and then you try, if you try and rotate, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I didn't know that I was passing out slips this round. I, com- I completely forgot, or, oh, I didn't understand. So you start having communication issues. So you, so one of the purpose of teams is to kind of like lock people into a particular task. And this is the task that you're going to be doing for the whole day. So what are the, uh, uh, what are the possible types of teams? So the main ones I see in general are a uh, deck checks team, a paper team, and then a logistics team. And then at the smaller events, generally paper and logistics are, are the same thing. Uh, sometimes at a larger event, you might also have a break team. We did this at uh, GP Sacramento for our sides. Mm-hmm. We had one team that was dedicated to going around and being the other team so that they could go have their break. Yeah, yep. I like that team. <laughs> it's everybody's favorite team. I, yes. Well, yeah, no, I like having an event where it exists because you can get a full round break. And I also kind of like being on the team. It's, it's nice to it's nice to switch around. Yeah, yeah shift up your stuff. role throughout the day. Uh, there's also occasionally you'll run into coverage teams or where their job is to just do coverage. However, for this particular conversation, we're going to stick mostly with like head judging at or not head judging uh, team leading at the PTQ level or maybe the, the Star City Open level. Um, uh, you know, random 5K or some random uh, uh, $15,000 weekend out at Channel Fireball. <laughs> right there, Jess. That is public, right? Yep. Yes, it is. Okay. 
Yes. <laughs> it's this weekend. I hope it's public. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're hearing this for the first time, um, whoops, sorry, guys. So, so if you're on the West Coast and you're hearing about our 15K weekend for the first time, you're not paying attention. <laughs> and then and then there might be a, a what's called a floor team, and their job is to uh, uh, basically to make sure that all areas of the floor are covered and evenly spread out. And while the other teams are doing things, they are on the floor. Now, this is typically when there is uh, at large, large events where you have judges to spare. But most of those, most of the time, you're going to focus on those those three core teams. So what's a deck check team responsible for? Deck checks. Really? What gave it away? <laughs> uh, yeah. So there, deck... there's... Oh, I was to say, there's a little more to it than just deck <laughs> checks. They, they Obviously, they're doing deck checks, but they're also doing things associated with that. So. Uh, they're usually joined by the rest of the teams in collecting the deck lists at the beginning of the event. And then it's their job to sort those deck lists alphabetically. Uh, and if the event involves media waivers, they usually check those as well to make sure they've all been, been filled out. Uh, and then in whatever format the event is using for uh, counting the lists, they will follow that format and count all the lists or some of the lists. And, uh, and then they do deck checks throughout the event. Uh, they're also, uh, uh, sometimes responsible for getting the lists to coverage, uh, if needed. Uh, typically the, the pile O lists is, belongs to the deck check team lead. Like he is the keeper and, you know, he's like the goalie in hockey, right? Nobody gets to that goal. His job is to keep people out of that box, uh, except for him. Uh, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, you know, you want to protect those lists. You want to protect them from players, and sometimes you want to protect them from other judges in the coverage team because yeah. they might not—they might take the lists and not return them. Yeah. Um. So that is uh, one team. Uh, another team might be is the paper team. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about paper teams so that you had to talk about logistics. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so paper team is pretty straightforward. It, we always just say it's it's everything having to do with paper, sheets of paper that isn't deck lists, I guess. Um, so that includes posting the pairings before every round, posting standings in the last two rounds, assuming it's a larger event, and uh, cutting up and passing out the match slips. That's This is where we all get excited about fancy paper cutters. Ooh, ooh. There's that one ooh. with the laser light. They're, the one with the laser light's pretty nice. I've never seen it, but I have seen the guillotine one where it's just like, just cuts a whole stag in one go, and you're, it's just amazing. <laughs> we're, ner- we're nerding out over yeah. a paper cutter. Again. Um, but that's about that's about it for paper. Like, usually, if, I, if I'm head judge and I have a paper team, I want them to get the match slips and pairings out and then go be on the floor. Yep. Um, so here's a here's another responsibility of the paper team um, being near the printer at the beginning of round. Yeah, that's so important. <laughs> that's because the the round turnaround time. One of the things that contributes to the round turnaround time is how fast those pairings get posted and stuck up on the wall. So if the scorekeeper has to go find or the head judge has to go find the the, the paper team, that's that's not good. So uh, the logistics team. This is this is the third team. This is in, in your typical PTQ type setup. This is the everything else team. Um, they are there. Uh, they're going to make sure that uh, the room is set up. Now, generally, the TO is going to to take care of this beforehand, but they will be putting the table numbers up and making sure that they got all the chairs. And if you know you've only seated for a hundred people and uh, you need space for 110, they're the team that makes it happen. Um, at a sealed event, they're the ones that are going to prepare the sealed product. Um, they also serve as the floor judges when the other teams are passing out slips and uh, doing deck checks. So they are the, the guys that are on the floor doing that, answering your calls at the beginning of the round. Uh, also, there's this thing called end of round. Uh, so just like the paper team is very, very important in getting the next round started, end of round is very, very important in getting this round over. So... The end of round, which is the logistics handle, and the other teams assist. But we basically, you have a list of all the outstanding tables, 
and you basically go send you send the judges out. Now there's different ways of doing this, but the general gist is go get those results on those outstanding uh, outstanding matches and bring them back and give status. And if there's extensions, we need to know about it uh, so that we can have general awareness as to uh, when we can end the round and what any holdups or any issues are. So that's the logistics team in a nutshell. So so those are all the teams. The main uh, Didn't some of it recently have a broccoli team? Yeah, I think that's... I think that was the, just a cute I, name for Briggs. Was it? I think so, wasn't it? There was there was one event I had. It had a spinach team. Oh, maybe that's what it was. And I think the intent was, like, basically they were there to do a surge. Like, whatever team needed help doing whatever needed being done. Is this really a Popeye joke? I think it was. That was actually where it came from, was, you know, Popeye eats his spinach and gets his surge of strength and gets really strong. I don't know. It might be a European thing. So we eat that team? Yes. Okay, got it. Right. I mean, that's that's basically, and then more comp for everyone who's left. When I was a kid, you know, obviously I was in the store and I saw a can of spinach and I was like, well, Popeye loves spinach, so let me get that. And then I ate some and I've never eaten spinach since. That was a terrible idea. Spinach is actually terrible. <laughs> It is. I have a very similar story. Actually, I, have heard, I really like spinach. I, I can't. Well, the truth is I don't like almost any vegetable. So who am I kidding? <laughs> uh, CJ Schrader hating vegetables before it was cool. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so those are the teams. Now, anytime you get uh, uh, two or three or six people together, to do a particular group of uh, do a, a particular set of tasks, you're going to need someone to herd them all together, you know. Uh, and that person would be your team leader. He is the one that is going to wrangle Bitty Kitty, Milkshake, and Battle Cat, <laughs> and get them all pointed in the one direction, and send them out to go do deck checks. Right, CJ? That's how that works. Yeah. All you have to do is, or all you have to do is just put down some food. They will be there. <laughs> Really? So the next time you're at an event and you're smelling tuna, you're going to get deck checked <laughs> by some cats. I mean, every time you hear a cat meow on this sh- on this show, it's because they want to be fed. <laughs> okay, so um, who who are the team leaders? What are the team leaders? Uh, so who are these people? Yeah, so in another way, the team leads are also the... the um, the head judge's way, you know, in, in the sufficiently large events, the head judge's way of knowing what's going on the floor, because the head judge can't manage 15 people, 15, 20 people, but he can manage three or four team leads who can then manage the 15 or five people or whatever, and and uh, so on and so forth. So they, they, they help the head judge know what's going on. So it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a chain of yeah. command. Okay. But so, yeah. So, yeah. Go on. I was going to say, generally on, on a team, the team lead is... A more experienced judge, but not necessarily the most experienced judge. And sometimes if you're a team lead and you're like, hey, I don't have a lot of experience, you might want to look around because you probably have a much more experienced judge on the team with you as a safety net. It's a little trick. Yeah, everybody's got to start somewhere. So, you know, uh, at some point, someone's going to take a chance and say, hey, I think you're going to make a good team lead. Let's give it a try. Or maybe it's just like an experiment. Let's see what will happen if we make CJ team lead for this event. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you're responsible for making sure that all of your team's tasks get done and taking care of the judges under you. Uh, So it's it's a it's a symbiotic relationship. So so things that a team leader does, uh, there's things before the event there's things during the event and then there's some things after the event so uh so we're going to start obviously chronologically with things they do before the event so just so what are what are some things that uh, a team lead might do before the event um well when you start the event you're going to want to get your team together and talk to all of them and you're going to want to prepare what you're going to say before you get to that point 
uh, kind of like a head judge announcement is something you prepare ahead of time. Uh, preparing what you say to your team, especially if you've never been a team lead before, is very important because you're, you don't want to have an expectation of what your team is going to do that you haven't communicated to them. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the famous story of the this is a football speech. Um, no, I don't think so. So there was a football coach, and we're going to get emails because they're going to tell me I got this story wrong. But there was a football coach, uh, a college football coach, who, would, uh, who was famous was for sitting his team down. A, a team that knew what they were doing and saying, okay, we're going to start with the basics and held up a football and goes, this is a football and starts explaining the very basic things about football and then laying down principles he wants them to learn from that point. Now, you, you don't necessarily have to get that basic with your judges, but if you assume that they know what your expectations are, you're going to be surprised when they don't. So you need to make sure you you prepare ahead of time to go, okay, so we're the paper team. That means at the beginning of the event, we need to be here in this place doing this thing. And then and then at the beginning of every round, we need to be doing this. And during the round, we do this. And at the end of the round, we do this. And letting your team know what you expect of them. And preparing that little... T- it doesn't have to be long, but just that little tiny list of expectations uh, ahead of time. And that could include also things like pay attention to your teammates and, and write reviews for them and things of that nature as well. So preparing the team. But one, one of the things before you get to that point is you want to know what your expectations are so before you can communicate to your team what the expectations are you need to know what you're expected to do and your your head judge uh will normally tell you what your duties are before the event and it may be in an email before the event hopefully cross your fingers it's not the day of you know, when you show up at like 8, 830 in the morning, he's like, all right, let's come over here and I'll tell you guys what's going on. Uh, hopefully this will be in, a, in an email. If you haven't heard anything, especially if this is your first time, talk to the head judge uh, ahead of time. Uh, it'll do a lot to relieve any anxiety because, you know, this can be something kind of stressful. Um, just remember that, you know, you've, you've got a head judge there. Uh, rely on him. You, there's probably uh, uh, other judges. You can you can rely on them. You can ask questions. You know, you can only mess up so bad. Just remember, just remember that. Breathe. Uh, don't don't psych yourself up about it. You know, um, well, this is basically the exact opposite of what you just said. But I, I have okay. found, and maybe you guys disagree. Well, um, this is going to this is not going to help people not be psyched out. Um, but in my opinion, I have found that team leading is more difficult than head judging uh, larger events. Like I, I have found you you have because you're communicating with your uh, your team more. You have more direct responsibilities beyond sit up on your golden throne and and look out for appeals. Um, you're you may be in charge of more people realistically. Oh, that's my my opinion. Well, I mean, that's that's fine. Normal normally with uh, with PTQs and stuff like that, I'm actually kind of sort of on the floor. Just me, my I mean, that's just kind of my style. Like I like to be there as opposed to hanging out by the scorekeeper oh, station. Sure. You know, I, at a PT, our PTQs don't get large enough to where I have real teams. I have. Okay. I'm like you. Your logistics and paper. You two are deck checks. The end. And that's fine. I mean, you can have you can have one person teams. Uh, uh, but if you ha- if you have like three or four people, I don't know. It's different. Um, it's more personal. It's definitely more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one thing uh, one thing I like to do is uh, if I have several people on my team, uh, and by several, you know, two more maybe five you know whatever is i try and learn a a little bit learn a little something about them you know talk to the regional coordinator talk to the to the judge that certified them you just find out a little bit about them you know where they from what they look like another reason why it's really important to have your picture on judge uh uh, judge center uh uh, judge apps um so that we can center uh yeah (laughs) yeah judge center is correct you should put on judge center um so uh figure out what people you know figure out what people look like uh uh sometimes you know what's the team composition are they level ones are they level threes or do they have any special needs um that kind of thing uh ideally and maybe not for your first time but you know maybe plan some sort of team building activity you know to to take to go throughout the day like maybe a a policy discussion you know like Oh, if you were going to remove one uh, infraction or one uh, one category of infractions from the IPG, 
you know, what would it be? You know, something, something like that. Sure. That's a, that's a, that is a valid option. Can you defend it? Can you defend it? Yes. And then that's a different episode. That is a different episode. All right. Um, so stuff like that, maybe some rules, dis- you know, maybe some rules discussions, that kind of thing. Uh, doesn't have to be, you know, the discussion is what's important. Um, all right. Uh, plan your team meeting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a thing that I think is really important is to think about what some goals are for the event. And these don't have to be anything, you know, really super crazy, but like. An example of a, a goal for the deck check team would be, you know, we're not going to give out any extensions longer than 10 minutes. Uh, or for the pairings, you know, for the for the uh, for the paper team, you know, have all pairings down uh, 10 minutes before the end of round. Yeah, I always like to have match slips out with um, three minutes after the round started. No real reason. I mean, you don't have to, but it's something I try to shoot for. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a goal, and you know, we could have we could probably have a whole episode it'd be really boring on goals but (laughs) but your goals normally you want them to be something specific you want them to be measurable because that's how you know you achieved your goal if your goal is do my best and you get to the end of the event how do you how do you know you did your best you know it's like oh well i just kind of felt that i did my best it's like oh well (laughs) You know, I feel like I got more money in my bank account, but, you know, when I go to pay the bills, I don't, doesn't work that way. I tell the bank calls and said, hey, you, you're overdrawn. It's like, no, I feel like I have more, no, more money. I, I really got that, that doesn't feeling. work for you? <laughs> no, it doesn't. How's it, does that work out in California? Well, you know, everything here is a little more wishy-washy, so <laughs> you just go in there and you're like, you know, guys, I, I'm pretty sure this is wrong. And they go, oh, okay. Here's your medical yep. marijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do that, and then, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, which is a thing, by the way, I don't partake in. But in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> um, so those are, those are things to do uh, before the event. Um, so what about during the event? Or actually, does anybody before we move on? Does anybody have any other before the event stuff? I'm good. What? That ringtone was just, weird. Oh, that, that was that wasn't me. No. Oh. Oh, that was my make sure the the Twitter solicitations for you know the GPs in two weeks go out. Hey, this is judge GP time, not judge Twitter time. Hey, it goes off every Monday at 10 p.m. It's my. Did you remember to do all your crap alarm? All right. So at the event, set an alarm so that you wake up on time. Yes. Don't be late. I. Uh, it. I get mad at team leads who are late you're the team lead you should be there on time be, yeah. be early if you're the team lead be early yeah you should be early yeah yeah definitely anyway a little bit yeah a little bit before the event starts you're you're probably going to be having a team meeting you'll probably meet with the head judge you might not but you uh you know if, if you particularly if you haven't talked to them before the event about your expectations you might do it at the event but it's nice to do it before the event uh, but you're gonna have your team meeting say some silly jokes, but impart your expectations on your team for this event. Yep. Yeah, this is this is the the team meeting can really kind of set the tone mm-hmm. for for the uh, for the event. If you if you come out there and, you know, you're like, oh, this is this is the first time I've ever done a team. I've ever team led. So I'm going to screw up horribly and <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, that's going to set one tone. But if you say like, all right, guys, um, this is my first time team leading. Uh, so, uh, if I'm doing anything incorrectly, please feel free to come up and talk to me. Uh, maybe if you have experience in this particular thing, I'm more than willing to listen to advice, suggestions, that kind of thing. Then that, then that can set a different tone. And then another tone is, all right, guys, we're going to rock this. Yeah. Woo. Rockstar party. That's the Justin Turner <laughs> style. Only he would be more of a uh, rap lyrics instead of rock star stuff. Um, so see, see beat, beatboxes uh, team meeting. I don't think he would beatbox. It would be more uh, Jay Z or is in SoundCloud Posse a, a rap group? No, no, uh, whatever. I, mean, I don't actually know, the, but I, I'm pretty sure they're not. Then not them. Wow, we're. I I think they are. I don't know. Listeners, write in. Send us an email. <laughs> no, Tell no. us what you think of these. I don't care. <laughs> I could 
Because Google too hard. <laughs> nah, we'll we'll get the we'll get the listeners involved. Please tell us your insane clown posse stories. Um. All right. So you're gonna have your team meeting. Um. You're gonna lay out the expectations for the team. Presumably, if you've set goals for the event, you're going to let them know the goals. Um. You are going to relay to them the same stuff that the head judge uh, told you. Um. And you're going to make sure that everyone understands because with any event, you're probably going to have some people who this is their first large event. So like what Jess was saying is don't assume that they know everything. Um, and this was just like a year ago with me, a year and a half ago. I had a 5K where I had a lot of L1s on staff. I just couldn't get a lot of L2s. And when I had my head judge meeting, I made the assumption that the judges knew more than they did. Mm-hmm. And it was a very rough, you know, two rounds until I realized what was going on. And we had a course correction. But, uh, yeah, at the time, that was, a, that was a, a, a mistake that I made. And you can make the same mistake at the team level. Um, like, I, I think at my first event, um, I was on papers, paper team. And I was, uh, you know, I hadn't played in a, uh, or in a tournament in a while. And we were told that we were going to name range the boards. And for some reason, that seemed like a foreign language to me. And I was like, what's what's that mean? You know, so don't necessarily assume that uh, uh, everyone on your team knows everything. So like Jess said, the, this is the football speech. This is a pairing. <laughs> this is a match slip. Uh, actually, um, probably should so, go So over. you're joking about that, but like this is a match slip is is actually a legitimate thing for people that have only worked at their local store. Yeah, I was... uh, this is a pairings board, also a legitimate thing for people that have only worked at their local store. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And a, a lot of times at GPs, they actually have like on the Friday night beforehand, even if there's not a seminar, they'll have a, so you're, this is your first GP, you know, what do you need to know for your first GP type, uh, you know, a lesson or a seminar or something like that. So, uh, so, so what are some other things? So when your team leads over or when your team meeting is over, rather, what's, uh, what's some stuff during the event? So one, one important thing as a team lead is to delegate your tasks. Delegate. Yeah, that's right. Delegate your tasks. Um, it it is not your responsibility to do everything. It's your responsibility to make sure your team is doing everything. I think might be a good way to say it. Um, if, if you're on deck checks, you know, I like if I'm once again, if I'm head judge, I like to have an odd number of people on deck checks when I have a team lead so that the team lead is in charge of the deck checkers and then they can have actually two pairs or however many pairs to do the actual deck checks. Um, cause the team lead uh, is not the person that should be doing that. You know, you should always be finding someone else to do whatever the task is so that you can keep watching your team and making sure everything's getting done. Yeah. yeah. So don't, don't feel... Don't feel like you, you have to go do everything. And this is a, a thing that a lot of judges uh, uh, struggle with is the whole, well, that work over there is grunt work, and I'm not comfortable asking someone else to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I'll say towards the end of the day, uh, you really don't need table numbers, you know, uh, 150 through 110 anymore. Okay. And you're the logistics lead. Well, grab somebody and say, hey, go get those extra table numbers and put them in that box over there. Um, yeah. So so it's, it's one of your responsibilities to to be visible during the event. Um, your your team needs to be able to find you and, and the head judge needs to be able to find you if he needs anything from you. Um, and, and part of that is is why we delegate. You know, we can't have, um, say, somebody in the judge area. I don't know sorting lands because it's a sealed event you you can't be the person doing that if it needs to be done uh you need to be out there and be visible so that everyone can find you in case something goes wrong yep um so one of the other tasks um that you want to do is not only do you want to be visible but you want to watch the the the, the guys on your team um now there's a lot that comes with this because as a team leader you are uh, you are leading them and you are responsible for keeping them on task. So you want to be aware of where they are and what they are doing. So that way, you know, you might have a situation where you're the, you're the floor team coverage. And there's a group of two judges that constantly or three judges that constantly clump together over in the corner. Well, you need to be aware that they're doing that, okay, because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
So you can go over there and, and, and break that up or lead them away or, or figure out why they keep clumping, which is probably just because they like to chat. <laughs> uh, or, as I found at one event, because that's where the air conditioning vent is. <laughs> that was actually uh you know we had an issue where I, I realized that there kept being a judge clump in one particular area of the store and when i went over there to break it up i i suddenly found myself wanting to stay in that clump because i was like oh this is much nicer than where i was um so yeah so you want to watch uh uh watch the guys on your team uh watch for signs that the judges are getting tired um, one of the things that you are responsible for is making sure that the guys on your team take appropriate breaks. Uh, so the head judge will normally communicate to you uh, what his expectations for breaks are. Uh, either he will tell you what round or tell you, hey, work out what the other team leads, uh, what your break schedules are. Uh, don't start earlier than round X. Or he'll say, like, I'd like everybody to have a one-hour break and then a half-an-hour break later in the event, something like that. But, yeah, make sure your guys are staying hydrated. Uh, uh, there, there's this tendency to he-man, try and he-man through events. Uh, make sure that they're they're drinking water and they're staying uh, uh, staying rested enough. If they look tired, you know, tell them to take a five minute break, get them off their feet. Um, As a see. team lead, um, I, I know. This, so I would uh, recommend that you you stay flexible. You know, you may have had a particularly this is your first time. You may have had a plan coming in, um, but don't be unwilling to change that plan if something doesn't work out. So like, for an example, I was a paper team lead once. And initially, I, I think I had like three people on my team and I signed them each a specific pairings board. And I was like, you know, that's gonna be your pairings board. Make sure you you take care of it the whole time. Uh, but I quickly realized like it was too slow. It was too slow when the printer came out, when the printings came out to just be like, all right, where is John so that I can give him this specific set of pairings for A through F? And where is Bill so I can give him this specific set of pairings? Um, you know, so I quickly ditched that system and just handed them out to whoever is closest. Point being, be flexible mm -hmm. with your plans. Yeah. And, you know, when you're when you're reevaluating what works and what doesn't, uh, one thing that's kind of good is to have another, you know, try and maybe have a mid-event meeting with the rest of your team. You know, how things are going, what's going well, you know, uh, give people a chance to voice concerns, uh, say positive things about other people, uh, you know, do any sort of course corrections that need to be done. Uh, hopefully you found them earlier, but, you know, they, they might be something kind of lurking that's not particularly obvious or somebody they might have a good suggestion where it's like, hey, I've noticed that we're having problems uh, with, you know, with this particular thing. Can we maybe move the pairings boards a little further apart? OK, sure. You know, let's give that a try. Um, now, one other thing as a as a as a team lead goes, a uh, team lead goes, you want to mentor some people you know uh again you're probably one of the more experienced judges um and you will have judges who are less experienced than you uh they can learn from stuff you know ask them some questions uh uh you know about policy or rules questions or th how they think the event's going maybe they do things differently at their store and you can learn from them uh just as much as they can learn from you uh, you know, does anybody have anything on, on, on mentorship that they've had success with that they like to do? Um, well, I, I've done, th I have things I've done wrong. Uh, don't, you want to make sure that you don't ignore anybody. Um, sometimes if you have a team of three or four people, it's really easy to, to focus on the, the squeaky wheels. Uh, and there's one guy who's maybe a little shyer that is easy to overlook and that guy needs mentorship too. Um, so try to incorporate everybody. Um, going to lunch as a team can be a huge benefit to that if mm -hmm. you, if your event allows it. You get to go together and socialize a little bit, get to know your guys or girls, as the case may be. Pairing up your uh, your teammates, your team members, making sure they're all paired up, and, and maybe having them. I had um, this Jason Wong. I guess his name is actually Jason Wong. It's, I've always ever seen it as Jason Clever Wong, but I assume. Clever is not actually his name. Anyone know? Clever is his middle name. Is it? I don't know. It might be. No, I don't. I don't think it is. <laughs> um, I don't think it is. But he, when uh, he was my team lead once, and he he had us team up 
and uh, and he'd have us give us like a little discussion topic and then kind of have us talk about our conclusion when we had our team meetings, um, which, you know, is just another way to to have make sure everyone is doing the mentorship. Yep. Now, here, here's one of the here's one of the things you want to have discussions with judges and you want to you want to talk to them and you want to teach them and you want to help them. Uh, but there's always a but. Um you got to remember, one of the reasons we're all there at the event is to run an event. So do not um, uh, uh, come up with so many activities and so much discussion and so much of this. Don't try to overachieve to the point where you are taking focus away from judging the event i mean we are there to answer answer questions from the uh, uh for the players to give rulings to give good customer service and if you're constantly attracting uh you know having your team clumped around you taking them off the floor so that you could have a discussion on blood moon and dryad arbor interactions then you're doing a disservice to the event okay so there is a balance so maybe the the mentorship, you know, do it like a one on one thing as opposed to trying to bring a group, you know, get out there on the floor and have these discussions out in the middle of the floor where you can take calls. Um, so yeah. kind of gone over at least at a high level, most of the stuff. I mean, as you as you as you do this more and more, things are going to get more and more intricate. Um, so let's let's talk. Uh, there's some styles of team leading um you you kind of want uh you don't want to be so laid back that you're like yeah sure whatever just go off and do whatever (laughs) guys you know these slips somehow are going to make their way out to the players on their own but then at the same time you don't want to be so overbearing where it's like no i told you to hand out slips for tables one through 20 why are you handing out slips for 21 through 30 you know you need to find you need to find a balance of of uh, too much micromanaging versus not any sort of managing whatsoever yeah cuz cuz either either way there i mean there's there's bad bad things are going to happen with either either one of those anything else before we move on to after the end of the event end of the event and after the event yeah no i think that's good i don't think so no Okay, so what's some of the stuff for after the event? So post-event, um, you'll probably have the the head judge give you know a post-event meeting, but sometime before that or after that, you should have a post-event team meeting just to see if did you guys meet the goals that you laid out for yourselves? Did you uh, was there anything you think maybe could have gone better? You know, is there anything you would have changed? Things like that. Just just a little debriefing. I, I don't try to take it up too long because I mean this is after the event, so people kind of want to leave, but. Try to just go over quickly. Yeah, the po- the post event meeting can be hard, especially if the teams are being let go at awkward times. Yeah, yeah, it can't always happen. Sometimes the best I can do is be like, "Hey, I think you guys did great. All right, see you later." You know, I mean, sometimes that's just how it is. Yeah. Or to start a city event while everyone's taking their shirts off and getting right at the room in the laundry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey guys, can I can I get you for thirty seconds over here? Hey guys, can you guys help out the staff take down these banners? And then nobody actually does. They all just walk out the door. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I I uh, I didn't experience that at my last SCG event. We definitely helped. That's good. Yeah, man. Come on, CJ. What's what's up with you and your your Georgia guys? Uh, it was actually a GP, and oh. it was Portland. So um, so one one other thing you want you definitely want to judges that did well. Uh, you know you know congratulate them, give them the, uh, uh, public praise. So there's there's this. Uh, saying I do not know where it originated, so I'm going to attribute uh, Jess with it. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's it says. Uh, um, Whatever it is, I said it. <laughs> yep. It's it's uh, praise in public, criticize in private. Okay. So if you have if you have a judge that is doing well, tell them tell them publicly, and if you have a judge that is just almost swore screwing up, if you have a judge that is screwing up, you know pull them aside. Have the conversation with them, correct them, uh, 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 make them aware of how they are, uh, what they're doing is negatively affecting the uh, uh, the event, but don't necessarily call them out in, in front in front of a bunch of people because that is going to end badly for some or all of the people involved. So, yeah. Um, 
along those yes. lines, and uh, and this is one more thing to do during the event, but you should probably be, as you're observing your judges, you should probably be taking notes on, on things that you see, things they did well, maybe things they could improve on. Yep. Things like because, that. Yeah. Because you're going to be expected to write some of them reviews. Oh. Yep. <laughs> and deciding at the end of the event, like the end of us talking about this thing, that you're going to write some reviews on people isn't it's a lot harder to go back in your mind and remember what happened in the day to write things down after the event. So yeah. yes, have a little notepad you, handy. You may not, you may not think it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It will be. Is oh no, man, I can, I can remember this. Yeah, no, you're wrong. You are so wrong. <laughs> well, uh, also, it, maybe you can remember, but if you can, that probably means your focus is in the wrong place. Uh, because if your focus is on the event where it should be, then you're not thinking about all of these things that, that people can improve on or did well. But when you notice them, if you write them down, you can go back to it later and go, oh, right, I noticed that thing. Now I remember it. Yeah. Additionally, sometimes uh, some head judges uh, at, at some of the larger events ask the team leads to you know, tell them what judges did well and what judges didn't. Um, sometimes there is maybe a, an L1 that uh, is being evaluated for L2, you know, so the head judge will ask you for, you know, hey, watch this guy, give me feedback, let me know how things work. Uh, hopefully he'll tell you before he asks, um, but, you know, they might ask you uh, uh, at the end of the event, you know, tell me, tell me what this judge did, tell me what this judge did, how did things go? And if you write them down, uh, you can just pull out your little book and look, and you don't have to seem foolish as you sit there and go, uh, well, uh, I mean, we did something in round three, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, the other thing is don't give generic feedback. <laughs> like, don't be like, well, you did a good job, but, uh, uh, so maybe you could use some more confidence in your rulings or something, you know, like study more policy. Be specific. Be specific in your feedback. Oh, you did this awesome thing that you you specifically did this awesome thing. You oh you I saw you do this thing here in this ruling. Next time, if you ask a more direct question or a more open ended question, you might get a better result. Like, be specific in feedback. I mean, we could have a whole podcast just about feedback. Yes, we, could. we probably should at some yeah. point. But yes, uh, but yeah, like at the end of the event, feedback is very important. And trying your best to give good feedback is one of the the things that will set a good team lead apart from an excellent team lead. Yep. So, and a little bit earlier, I mentioned uh, how, as a team lead, you're kind of you're kind of the person that's actually talking to the head judge if anything's going crazy. Um, you you talk to the head judge probably more than any floor judge on your team. So, if if your head judge is doing anything that you feel like they could improve on, or anything you think they're doing really well, you could review them as well. It, it's okay to review somebody above your level. <laughs> yep. Because they, I, I think, I feel like they rarely get actually reviews, but, you know, I mean, there's no yeah, reason not to. It is, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen a whole, whole lot. And, and if anyone's going to do it, it's probably going to be a team lead. Yep. Oh, one other thing uh, to not do as the team lead, <laughs> hang out all the time at the main stage chatting with the, uh, the stage staff. Okay. <laughs> Don't do that. Sure. Well, you shouldn't do that as any position i know i know i know but for some reason some team leads think that they can justify it a little bit more oh uh, yeah it looks bad okay. it just looks bad yeah yeah like don't do it you know who you are or if you don't know who you are if you find yourself at the stage a whole lot you're one of those people stop being not making your team do your work there there is a difference right um okay so yeah. is that uh is that a wrap that's a wrap okay I guess it is. I mean, I thought it was really more like a, you know, rock jazz you know, mashup, but it could be a rap. It's no insane clown policy. <laughs> Very few things are. <laughs> Man, I was in downtown Atlanta the other day, and there must have been a Juggalo convention or something, because they were all out, and it was a little frightening. What exactly is a Juggalo? An, an ICP An fan. insane clown posse fan? Yeah. Oh. Jeez. I sorry. <laughs> right, I, I figured that it would be. I figured that there would be a little bit more something to it. Nope. Let's dive into our news, which of, of which we have one item, but it's pretty big. We have a new level five judge. Woo, 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 woo. Kevin Depre. Did I do it? You did it. Yes. Not Desprez. Des Desprez. That's how um, it's spelled, though. No, Kevin Depre of France, I believe. Is that correct, guys? Yes. Yeah. 
So would that mean his name is Kevon? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> That's probably insulting in some way. I'm not sure. I I yeah probably. <laughs> but congratulations to Kevon. On his promotion. <laughs> you just repeated it. You said that's insulting and then you did it. Yeah. That's, that's horrible. That's for you. No, I at least was doing that out of ignorance, but you did it on purpose. L5s don't listen to, to Judge Cast. We're good. <laughs> but they might be told. L2s don't talk to L5s. It's against the rules. <laughs> you can't make eye contact. <laughs> Two steps back, you. Well, Toby signed on the moment I said that. That's kind of weird. Oh. All right, let's dive into our email. Let's dive into our email. All right. That's as far as I'm going with that. Mail time. Kind of miss it. Are you going to bring it back? No, that was a one-time thing. Our first email comes from Aaron Gangski. Gangski. says, hey, guys, really appreciate the show. Super helpful and informative. The one-two punch. Had a situation come up with pre-release I thought you might be able to help shed some light on. I'll try to keep it short. I'm at four life. My opponent, Alan, is at one. He swings for nine damage across four creatures. I block with an Acroan Skyguard and play Acolyte's Reward. So he says my devotion to white is one, as I have no other white permanence other than the Acroan Skyguard. My first instinct is that I, it would be a draw, but the judge ruled that I would die from lethal actions with Acolyte's Reward's trigger on the stack, so I took the game loss. What was this the correct call? Curious. So let me read Acolyte's Reward, which, in my opinion, is the most complex card in Board of the Gods, and I don't think people believe me when I say that. Uh, it reads, Prevent the next X damage that would be dealt to target creature this turn, where X is your devotion to white. If damage is prevented this way, Acolyte's Reward deals that much damage to target creature or player. I don't I don't see one of the little magic trigger words in that car in that card anywhere. Yes. There are no trigger words in that card. So that's the first thing, is uh, to, to denote a trigger, you'll see the words when, whenever, or at somewhere in the text. And so Acolyte's Reward definitely does not have a trigger. So the next question was, um, so if Aaron is at four and Alan is at one, what happens? Does, like, does the prevention happen first? Does the damage happen first so that Alan or Aaron is dead? Um, like, what's what's going on here? All right, let me let me read the actual question here. <laughs> okay, so he's blocking. He blocks with the Akroan Skyguard. Plays an Acolyte's Reward. He says he's swinging in for nine damage. Yeah. the The point is, one of the damage is prevented, and mm -hmm. it's going to be dealt back to his opponent. And he wants to know like the timing of that because his opponent's at one. Oh, oh, it's basically going to happen at the exact same time. So if if you are being if you are being dealt damage. Uh, uh, or the end result, you are being you are being dealt uh, four or more. Uh, uh, Alan is definitely going to be dealt one, so the game's going to be a draw. Yes. Yep. So there's no trigger here, nothing like that. So assuming you're taking four or more, which you probably are, that's going to be a draw. Yep. Sad. And you go on. Now here here's something I I keep hearing. So there's a little bonus thing. Mm -hmm. You play first to two wins. Yes. Not best of three. So if this is game three and it ends in a draw, well, you're playing game four. So, yep. One more thing. Next question comes from Colin Wells, future Atlanta judge. Oh, that's right. I, uh, I've i been working with him. Uh, his first question was about Brimaz, that guy. He's a weirdo. Maybe the second most complex card in the set. Um, so Brimaz, King of Oresco's or King of Oreos, I believe you guys called him on the last episode. No, we didn't know such of a thing. You did. I listened. Um, he says, whenever Brimaz, King of Oreos, attacks, put a 1-1 cat soldier creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield attacking. And whenever he blocks, put a 1-1 white cat soldier creature token with vigilance onto the battlefield blocking that creature. All right. So Colin's question is, does Brimaz, King of Oreos, trigger exalted when he attacks alone, even though he creates another attacking creature? Yes, he does trigger exalted, and he gets that juicy plus one, plus one because it's so juicy <laughs> it is so juicy it's like the juiciest oreo well so I, to be I, clear though you you get to stack the triggers right so couldn't you stack it so that you did not get the plus one plus one nope. no oh. because the the trigger condition is whenever it attacks alone it, it's not some sort of weird intervening if clause thing where it's like if you know whenever a creature attacks alone if it is the only creature attacking then it gets plus one plus one Okay, I just made that template up on the fly. That might not 
technically work, but that that seems like that would have an intervening if clause and 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 stop the exalted uh, from working if you put this dude into play beforehand. Um, right. So that makes sense. So it yeah. It always so, attacked alone. There's nothing that changed that. That's the trigger right. condition. Yep. All right. He's got another one. Oh, I, think of a, a a fun one with uh, Hero Bladehold. It's the same thing. Yeah. With uh, if you had uh, exalted mix in there as well. Same thing on a much better card. King of Oreos? No, Hero Bladehold, much better than than uh, Bramaz. Uh, if I cast Searing Blood, targeting... but Bramaz, uh, but Bramaz, King of Oreos has no, is has no trans fat. <laughs> if I cast Searing Blood, do you know an Oreo is vegan? That's the weird thing. Like, there's no dairy. I, at I actually, so I actually did know that because I can't eat dairy. Yeah. So I can eat Oreos, but I can't eat a lot of the like generic brand oreos and then like if you're a vegetarian you can't have gummy bears because it has like cow in it somehow yeah to make the gelatin yeah anyway if i cast searing blood targeting my opponent's tutu bear while i have a satyr fire dancing satyr satyr's fine satyr 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 dancer on the battlefield with a delayed damage effect of the searing blood trigger the fire dancer's damage ability Uh, okay so satyr fire dancer says whenever an instant or sorcery spell you control deals damage to an opponent Satyr Fire Dancer deals that much damage to target creature that player controls. And then Searing Blood says Searing Blood deals two damage to target creature. When that creature dies this turn, Searing Blood deals three damage to the creature's controller. So it sets up a delayed trigger. Yep. So what do you guys think? I actually heard this one going around a bit when the set was new. So Satyr Fire Dancer cares about if a, if an instant or sorcery deals damage to a to a player, right? Instant or sorcery spell, yep. Yep. All right. And so Searing Blood is dealing damage to a player. Now it's gone. It's no longer on the stack. But whenever we ask a question about the source of an effect, we uh, we use last known information. And the last known information is it is indeed Searing Blood was indeed an instant spell. Graveyard. It became an entirely new object. So with no memory of its past. What's that? When it went to the graveyard, it became an entirely new object with no. Yeah, but we're not we're not looking we're not looking in the as it exists in the graveyard. We're looking we're using its I last. I understand that, but that's why we have to use the last known information. Ah, okay. Because that's why we can't just look at it in the graveyard. It's it's a totally new thing. Yep. Yep. Next, you you, you know, CJ, you can't play the straight man and ask the questions for us to give you the answers, and then get all defensive about how you knew the answer. Well, it doesn't work that way. Hey, on that first one, <laughs> he makes he makes a good point, CJ. Hey, hey, first off, on that first one, maybe I was misremembering how exalted worked. Maybe <laughs> I was legitimately wrong on that one. But the second one, darn it, I knew how that worked. <laughs> well, in your email to the guy, you were just like, oh, I don't know how this works. I think it works like this. What, the, uh, oh, the searing blood? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was waiting on, you know, because people were actually debating that, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it works like this. Anyway, next one, Daniel Shaw. He says, uh, so I am trying to brew an obnoxious junk deck and get my head around some rules and interactions at the same time. So, all right, he's going to be talking about Spirit of the Labyrinth. I, I I both love and hate this card. Yeah, I know. From, from a policy perspective, he's really awkward. So he's a 3-1 for 2. Each player can't draw more than one card each turn. All right, so Spirit of the Labyrinth sets up a continuous effect. That is what it is, right? And Dredge is a static ability that allows replacement. Uh, basically, he wants to know how, how Dredge works. So Dredge is a mechanic that allows you to... So Dredge 7, for example, says if you were going to draw a card, you may instead mill 7 cards and put the dredge card from your graveyard back into your hand. So he wants to know, how does dredge and Spirit of the Labyrinth inter- interact? Uh, okay, so Jess, do you want to... Yeah. You seem to be passionate about this last uh, last episode. Was I? Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't remember, but okay. Um, no, this is a really interesting scenario because you have an effect that says you can't draw more than one card. Uh, so if you've already drawn a card this turn... And if you would another, if you draw another card, you, you just don't. You, there's nothing to replace with the dredge ability because you're not drawing a card, so it won't replace anything. But if you haven't drawn a card yet this turn, then you can use that draw and, and replace that draw with the dredge ability. What's interesting about this is that you still haven't drawn a card yet because you replaced the draw by doing something else. So you could later in the turn draw another card if an effect told you to do so, or even dredge multiple creatures for as many draws as you had. So if I 
cast the Sphinx's Revelation for like five in my dredge deck somehow uh, and dredge five times, that's okay. I can do that because I haven't actually drawn any cards, so nothing's preventing me from drawing the first card of the turn. Beautiful. Yup. Love it. Do you really? Yeah. Okay, so this next one, we got it from a few different people, but Anthony Schweigel sent it in first, um, or just Tony. And uh, so apparently, old Marshall Sutcliffe of Limited Resources had a draft video recently, and I guess MTGO had an issue. So here's the situation. And I'm going to replace... parents went away on a week's vacation, and they left the keys to the brand new Porsche. I don't, I don't know. Parents that. just don't understand by DJ Jazzy Jeff and uh, Fresh Prince. No, that's uh, I not. think I think he's uh, being an old guy again. That's that's <laughs> not ICP, so I don't understand it. <laughs> CJ Schrader Juggaloo Juggalo 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 Twice in the same paragraph, being an old guy. <laughs> yes. All right. Shut up. So. In this draft video, Marshall controlled an old man of the sea, and I'm going to replace some creatures with bear cubs. And a bear cub, because most of the creatures don't matter. An old man of the sea, he has a lot of text, but it's effectively tapped to take control of something for as long as old man of the sea is tapped. And uh, there's power. There's power restrictions, but they don't actually come into play for this question. Um, All right, so his opponent is attacking with a bear cub, a bear cub, and a mirror entity. So mirror entity says X, creatures you control become XX and gain all creature types until end of turn. Marshall blocks uh, Bear Cub with a Bear Cub and Mirror Entity with Bear Cub. His opponent activates Mirror Entity for six before damage is dealt. And then in response, Marshall activated Old Man of the Sea and gained control of Mirror Entity. Then, for uh, reasons unknown to anyone, the ability resolved and all of Marshall's creatures became 6-6. Now note, it was his opponent's Mirror Entity and it it was his opponent's when he activated them. So the question is... Is that what's supposed to happen? What? Yeah. No, no, it's not what's supposed to happen. No, it's not. No. So so Mirror Entity says creatures you control become XX and gain all creature types until end of turn. And when you activate it, you are you, the person who activated it, not Marshall Sutcliffe. So... So, uh, uh, yeah, that seemed like that was a bug. Yeah, that's just a bug. So taking someone's creature doesn't give you control of the ability that they activated when it was still under their control. Unless it's that MTGO Marshall Sutcliffe feature. He was able to, like, hit, like, Shift F7 or something. Oh, his past two co-hosts work for MTGO now? Hmm. Coincidence? Mm. Oh, hey, good point there. Hmm. It says it says that Marshall was confused too, or was he? <laughs> hmm. Good acting there, Marshall. Wink. All right, our next email. I'm not sure he has to act very hard to be confused. Oh, oh what? hey, <laughs> what podcast? Hey, wars. did you guys did you guys watch the pro tour coverage? I'm just saying. No, Blink the pod. That's uh, all I have to say. <laughs> I. Oh, so so here here's um. I had to go to a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on a brief tangent. Okay, I had to go to a talent show, an elementary school talent show yesterday, and one of the funniest things happened. Actually, several funny things happened. Um, uh, one, a bunch of kids rickrolled the audience. Okay, that joke is their older skit. Than them. Oh, I know. I know. Someone's dad helped them, but they were up there on stage. They they were doing the Harlem Shake, like the beginning of the Harlem Shake. And it turned into a Rickroll right at the hook, which was which was great. Um, but one of the other one of the other things was uh, this girl. She's up there singing and she's she like she's singing and the audience starts clapping, you know, in rhythm to the music. And it confuses her. And she thinks that, I guess, because the audience is clapping, that she must be done. <laughs> so she just kind of stops singing like mid word and like looks out at everyone and says, Thank you, and bows and walks off stage. <laughs> but how does coverage really trigger this memory? Like, what? Well, well, I mean, I wasn't able to watch the pro tour because I was in uh, three hours. Uh, I was in three hours of of watching um, bad versions of kids singing "Let It Go" from Frozen. You realize and the, the, you the, the pro tour aired at like at like one a.m. There's no way this talent show was happening at, at one of the morning. I'm. But I'm I'm old and have to go to bed at like seven. Oh, speaking of being an old guy, I had an old guy moment yesterday. Uh, where hey, but then we're reading emails. Yeah, 
<laughs> You've lost so, control. So, just, just. Sorry, CJ, but uh, I, I had an old guy moment yesterday where there was this kid uh, in my store uh, who was talking to me about decks and, and very intelligently talking about his deck that he wanted to play. And uh, we started talking about various things. Somehow the, co- uh, the topic of blue-green madness came up. Uh, somebody else in the conversation brought it up. Uh, and that's a deck from Odyssey Block. And I loved Blue-Green Madness in Standard. I played it in Standard. It's one of my favorite decks. And I realized somewhere during the conversation when this kid was asking me questions like, oh, well, how does madness work? You know, uh, that this 11-year-old kid I was talking to was actually younger than the cards that I was playing with when I was playing that deck in Standard. Yeah. I mean, well, we just had that uh, that guy. Uh, who he? What did he win? He won, like, the Pro Tour or GP, and he was younger than the game itself. It's, like, the first time that had happened. That happened pretty recently. Game's getting old. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was just really weird for me when I was like, wow, I'm explaining. I, like, I have been playing Magic longer than this person has been alive who is also human. playing Magic. Yeah. And that was very strange for me. <laughs> All You're right. getting up there, man. You're getting old. All right. I'm almost almost 30. Yeah, it's gross. Jeez, you're practically over the you're practically <laughs> over the hill. <laughs> okay. All um, right, back to email. No more Sorry. stories. Well, you're about to have a little story you're going to have to tell on the email after this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, our next email comes from Robert. He's from Germany. He says, although I have no aspirations whatsoever to become a judge, I hardly even have time to play these days. JudgeCast has become my favorite podcast because you do a very good job of making this stuff entertaining. And then sometimes we talk about talent shows. I was wondering <laughs> what happens when Brimaz, hey, there's that guy again, blocks a creature that the token created by it could not normally block. Say Captain Kitty has been, Captain Kitty's a good cat name, has been bestowed with a <laughs> Nimbus Naiad, and now he's blocking a Winged Steed Rider. The token created by Brimas shouldn't be able to block the flyer, but since it doesn't say otherwise, my guess would be that it does nevertheless. Is that correct? That That is correct. All right. Um, let's finish off the question. We'll talk a little bit more about Brimas. Um, if so, isn't that a bit weird rules-wise? I'm not sure. And in the same vein, could Brimaz and his token buddy double block a creature that has can't be blocked by more than one creature? So yep. the answer to this question is also yes. And yeah. the reason that it works this way is because both flying and can't be blocked by more than one creature set up what's called a blocking restriction. It restricts what kind of creatures could block it. Uh, now, somehow, you I'm assuming you've given Brimaz flying. I think they yeah, said Nimbus Nyad. Is yeah. how we did this. Um, so... A blocking restriction is only checked when you declare a creature as a blocker. So the blocking restrictions are checked when you declare Brimaz as a blocker, and Brimaz is legal because it has flying in this situation. Then we put the triggered ability on the stack after state-based actions are checked, and we put the creature into play blocking. The game no longer cares about blocking restrictions. It's already done everything it's going to do this turn with blocking restrictions. So it just lets it block. Yeah. So just just imagine that that. Brimaz is up there flying with his Nimbus Naiad, and the Wingsteed Rider comes up, and Brimaz like holds his hand out, and it's like, hold on, we're gonna tussle, and uh, and uh, the Wingsteed Rider stops, and then he reaches into his sack and pulls out a cat and just throws it. Yeah, just imagine that. Now they're all in a fight. Now all right. three of them, the cat's flying, Brimaz is flying, Wingsteed yeah. Rider's flying. I mean, it's Everyone's very intimidating. It's intimidating when you wave Bitty Kitty in somebody's face like that. <laughs> Or maybe he's got Bitty Kitty on a string and then just starts <laughs> spinning him around. <laughs> would that would that require Brima, Would that give him first strike? Sure. Final question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm not I'm not gonna read the email, but this is another email from uh, Rob McKenzie, who's always trying to correct us. But apparently, we talked about, or just specifically talked about, Trouble Kratos and Two Headed Giant last. I did, podcast. as a matter of fact. And uh, you may have been wrong. I, I was wrong. Okay. So what I said previously is that if you attack with Trouble Kratos, uh, it in Two Headed Giant, that it's asking for a positive uh, comparison um, that references a defending player. So either defending player could meet the requirement by blocking with all their creatures. And as it turns out, uh, this isn't a positive comparison at all. Instead, it's it's an evasion ability, kind of like flying, uh, that creates a blocking restriction. Uh, and this restriction in specifically that, you know, creatures, or rather this can't be blocked unless it's blocked by all creatures you're, you're the defending player controls. Right. But the question it's asking isn't, uh, did each creature the defending player controls block me? It's simply asking, is this block legal? 
whenever there's a it's blocking. So so it bypasses the rule that I referenced uh, for two headed giant. That rule has no effect on this interaction. Uh, the rules that are relevant are all in blocking restrictions, specifically 509.1b, which I'm not going to read right now. Uh, but basically, it, what it boils down to is if you're in a two headed giant game and you have a Tromocratus and you attack with it, the defending team as a whole has to block with all of their creatures or none of their creatures. Uh, not not each individual player. So I was wrong about that. Uh, uh, if it affected any two-headed giant tournaments in the meantime, which I doubt, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was incorrect. And, and Rob corrected me, and he and I had a nice conversation about it over email. Uh, and he, he corrected me politely. I'd just like to point that out, that he oh, was, yes. uh, he's, a, he's an awesome guy. Rob has always uh, been very, uh, very kind when he emails us. <laughs> I'm just glad he listens. Yeah, I know. So, we don't usually get level threes, actually. Uh, so yeah, I, I was incorrect. Uh, I don't think it has. It, it's it's a high impact error, but I was incorrect, and I just wanted to point it out on the show and say, hey, I was wrong. Uh, it actually works this way. All right. Well, you get two more wrongs. You know the rules. Yeah, I'm off the show. And That's you're it. Off. I'm I'm done. Uh, I I get to go the way of of Sean and Ricky and Jose. Uh. I get to he work with Jose this weekend. He's on my staff for the PTQ. Ooh. Ooh. So Jess was right all these years, and then he gets L3, and suddenly he doesn't know how to two at a giant question works. Yeah. I know. Hmm. It's uh, it's a thing. Like I, I suddenly got L3 and rules knowledge down the toilet. I mean, just because it's a well, I mean, it's... never existed before. Yeah. It's just like, me- meanwhile, I'm just, I'm just looking at it and it's like i'm supposed to be the casual guy and i look at it, i'm just like ah, i don't know trauma two-headed something something player dark teams hey if you guys out there want to email us you can at judgecast at gmail.com you can also follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or like us on twitter twitter.com slash judgecast or visit our website at judgecast.com anyone have anything else they want to add wrap up the show no? Okay. No, I got nothing. <laughs> all right. Well, thank everybody for listening. I hope I hope we've helped you all be, go out there and be excellent team leaders and excellent Tromo Kratos two-headed giant players. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prilliman. I keep it meowth. That's right. Hello. That's some noises you're making over there. Me? Yeah. Yeah, what are you, drinking something? Mm. Yeah. That's me drinking water, man, out of a sippy cup. Oh, good. Now I know what makes a noise. Yeah, a sippy cup. You know, when you got kids, you have sippy cups. I I, I know what a sippy cup is. Are you questioning why I have one? Mm -hmm. Because occasionally, I don't want to run the risk of knocking something over and having it spill. (laughs) Can, Can I? Maybe I should just get, like... Channel Fireball branded sippy cups, and that's what I can let people use at events to drink beverages. That sounds Maybe.